industry. Good morning, everyone. All right. Well, I was just thinking about a good friend of mine named Dave Barnum, who uh, has come today. And uh, it's amazing. I've told you before, about a couple months ago, I said that there's... And, and, you know, I'm a bit of a hippie when it comes to imagery. I'm a very uh, Gospel of John type of guy. But there's a, there's a river or a wind that blows underneath each every, and every one of our lives. And Holy Spirit is called Ruach or Numa, always blowing underneath our lives. And we like that in the summertime when I said, close your eyes and face the sun. And if you can, if you can trust, Holy Spirit will lead you. I mean, every day. I'm talking which route you take to work, which size coffee you take at McDonald's. You know what I'm talking about. Well, one of those winds blew this week. And uh, last week, uh, Barnum called me up and um, and he had left a message. And I kind of just knew Holy Spirit was tapping. And so the morning I woke up and I said, Lord, are you just... And didn't let me finish it. Um, and I knew very well that it was it was Dave's time to give a message in God's house. And so that's what Dave's going to do today. Now, I must be pretty secure to invite a man who preaches the lights out of places, who is one of the smarter people I've met uh, theologically, uh, wisdom coming out of his ears. In fact, sometimes if you have too much wisdom, your hair doesn't have room (laughs) anymore. It's what it is. (laughs) Look, the whole worship team except me, right? And Randy Dion's up here. So I want you to put your hands together for a true blessing for the house today. This is uh, Pastor Dave Barnum coming to share with us. It was from God. God bless you. <laughs> Always blame God. Uh, blame the Holy Spirit. Oh. Well, it's so good to be with you, and uh, I'm delighted uh, to be able to share and uh, hopefully um, put a brush stroke into the history of this uh, church and... Um, just be able to uh, talk about appreciation for pastors. I hope this buoys you up a little bit today, where you can take a break a little bit uh, from laboring in the Word. It's a joy. It's a delight for us to labor in the Word. Um, I told the Methodist down the street this morning, I preached there, and uh, I said, if I could afford to, I would pay to come and preach. And uh, one, one of the gentlemen piped up and said, how much will you pay? <laughs> but understanding that people giving you an opportunity to influence them is the greatest um, preserver of our spiritual integrity because I, I we're accountable to one another it's not just my life it's our lives we're 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 a whole different culture than the regular culture yes we're to have friends out there but it's a different culture we're a we're a whole different culture i commend you just for being together today just for gathering um the book of hebrews says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and all the more as we see the day appearing or we only have so many days in this life each one of us and we need to be and we're meant to be connected we're meant to be together we're we're meant to have relationships and, uh, you know, my mom doesn't get out to church so much, although she is the church for me. When our sister was praying about grandmas and moms, I could share a lot of stories about intercession from my mom. And, uh, but she does go to Tim Hortons over near Toronto, where, her, where she lives, and with her friends, and they gather, and they, they break bread, and they, they're church together in that context. You have a beautiful, warm uh, 
formal informality. And there's a beautiful combination here. I know you've amalgamated a pioneer church with an established Methodist church, and you've come together. Uh, kudos to you. I commend you. Um, keep gathering. Keep, keep meeting. Keep breaking bread. Um, it's, it's so important. The, our friends down the street there, we've been connected with them, I think it's five years this month. And if you would have thought a charismatic uh, Pentecostal fellow that's traveled a lot, spoken in a lot of um, different contexts, would hitch his wagon along with my dear wife who, I mean, we met in, in studying theology at college and uh, we're from a charismatic background. We don't make any apologies for that, but that we would end up in a liturgical context and ministering in different liturgical contexts and loving it and enjoying it and really being very thankful to have uh, brothers and sisters. There's brothers and sisters in all kinds of different streams. and uh, But down the road, I mean, that little work has gone through so much. How many of you know the Hazen family? Do you know John Hazen? He was an educator here and Cheryl Hazen. Two of the most precious people on the face of the earth, salt of the earth. Some of the best people that we've connected with um, since we've moved to America and um, lived here now almost 20 years. And uh, just, just beautiful people. And of course, John contracted cancer over a year ago, has been battling and fighting that, has not been able to have the body really respond to that. And then not too long ago, I think probably just over two months ago, was in a terrible car accident uh, just off the 310, two miles from their home. And both him and Cheryl were tossed all over the place inside their car. And Cheryl was rushed here to the Potsdam Hospital where she had emergency surgery. John was helivacked uh, to Syracuse where he was um, had uh, 28 pints of blood, I believe, uh, put through his system. And uh, they're alive. And they've they're, they're coming through it and then but we've lost two other people the um that have passed away uh from cancer recently uh people carry a lot of burdens and crosses i heard the sentiment in your pastor's spirit today as he was exhorting and leading in worship that there are burdens in here that there are stories in here that there are narratives in here that are probably sorrowful that there's pain here um, I love the thoughts in the one song, <clears throat> the more upbeat song about I'm not, I'm not honed in wisdom or understanding to know things of God or the will of God, but I know he's my savior. Why Christ? Sometimes we're just left with more questions than we are with answers. Somebody once told me that the smartest people in class are the ones not with the best answers, but the ones with the best thought-provoking questions. So maybe we're not in too bad a shape here today. Is there anybody like me that's got a lot more questions as you move on in your faith with God than you have answers? Am I, help me out. Indulge me here. For those of you out watching on Facebook, uh, there's a lot of hands up in here. And your hands are probably up out there too. We have questions. Why Christ? Why Christ? Mm. I want to read a very familiar portion of Scripture to you. And it's in the book of Romans. I'll have to do some juggling around here because I have a number of things that I'd like to refer to. I won't be able to get to them. But in the book of Romans, famous portion of Scripture. 
I mean, it's just such a popular portion, but it bears repeating and it bears us sharing today, I think, for what I'm picking up in here and what I'm sensing and what I'm sensing in northern New York. What I'm sensing is going on, we live in Messina now over 19 years, and uh, many of you from the region know that Messina has particularly been hit hard, especially by the economic issues, and then with some social and societal issues that have gone on, issues in education, all kinds of different areas. And I know out here in Norwood and Potsdam and all parts in between where, you know, even though we're a little bit apart because we're in a rural community, there's a connectedness to being a North Country person. Um, but what I'm sensing, um, in the North Country is probably the believers themselves going, why Christ or what Christ? And uh, I want to start out by sharing this portion of Scripture. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He do, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, we sang it in the song, who also makes intercession for us, thank God, who shall separate us then from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, saints, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, and I love the spirit of this great apostle Paul. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, saints. Amen. I could just read that again. I could read that over and over again. You need to let that pour over you. Because in the midst of all the uncertainty and in the midst of the dark nights of our soul, in the midst of walking along with sorrow and, 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 and knowing some things about the fellowship with pain and suffering and knowing those things. Why Christ? Because Christ gives us confidence. Christ gives us confidence no matter what we're going through. It, around the year 2007, it was uh, January or February, I was on a retreat with some colleagues. It was either in the Green Mountains of Vermont, I can't remember if it was in the northern Adirondacks here of New York. We were at a beautiful chalet that we had rented. We were getting direction and guidance for the people that we had the privilege of leading. I was on a multiple staff, and those were some of the most fun times. We'd have food, we'd talk, we'd laugh, we'd joke. Um, we'd just you know, let ourselves relax a bit away from the pressures of pastoral duties and, and envision and brainstorm and dream about what tomorrow or what the upcoming year could look like. And like I say, those are joyful, joyful, happy times usually, except for, for me. 
At that particular time, I was going through a personal pain and a level of um, confusion and heartache that I couldn't even totally identify. For over a year, I had uh, been sick with a condition called benign proximal vertigo. Any of you, you that know me may have heard me talk about that before. Um, it was very debilitating. I had adrenal gland burnout, which um, one kind of uh, exacerbated the other. It was very, very difficult time. And on the outside, you wouldn't have known that anything was wrong with me. I continued to do the best I could to function as a pastor, carrying a heavy pastoral load at the time. And we were in some pioneer type work and different things like that and travel and just family life and all the regular things that each one of you uh, go through. And like I say, what made it worse was that you couldn't look in the mirror and know that there was even a problem. And so I was just really crying out. And sometimes when that kind of pain is put in the backdrop or in the backdrop of that is a heightened experience, a joyful experience, a wonderful experience that really is almost like one of the zenith moments in your vocational field for me as a minister, those retreats and conferences together. It was just, it, it was just very, very difficult. And I was crying out silently to God and I say, God, where are you? Where are you? What's going on? And there was a stack of New York Times, uh, Times newspapers that were on top of the fireplace hearth, this beautiful chalet. And I felt this impression. Reach in, grab out a newspaper. I've got a little something for you. I reached in. I opened a paper randomly, and I pulled out this picture here of a baseball game on the sports page. Now, this baseball game on the sports page I looked at the date, and it was November, or it was, I'm sorry, July the 4th, 2006. So it was the 4th of July baseball game. It was between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the New York Mets, and it was at Old Shea Stadium, which no longer is in existence. It was built in 1964. It's since been taken down. From 1964 up until this particular time, in this baseball game, there were approximately 3,400 games that were played at Shea Stadium that the Mets hosted in their home games of all their regular season games for all those years. I'm a big baseball fan. It's one of the loves of my life. It's kind of actually more than just a game for me. It's a metaphor. We all have different metaphors and things. Maybe you like gardening. Um, could be something in music. Could be nature, out, out hiking, hunting for guys. Um, it could be designing art, um, whatever it is. They're more than just um, something that we enjoy. They're a part of our narrative, our story. They define who we are. There's only one baseball game that I was ever at at that baseball stadium, and it was that game. I was sick at the time that that baseball game was on, but it was almost like at that time of the actual game, of this actual game, I was with my family. I was on vacation. Um, I had been diagnosed about six or seven months previous to that. And that was one of the times where there was a reprieve from the illness. And I felt clear of mind. We had a great time in Queens and in Manhattan. We enjoyed ourselves. And my mind went flooding back to that very moment while I was here in this chalet in, July, in January, I'm sorry, or February of 2007, and all the Lord said was, it's going to be okay. There are no dim lights in the middle of a storm. 
In the middle of pitch black, there are no dim lights. Dear one, today, you need to have confidence in your heart. God will never leave you or forsake you. He has not forsaken northern New York. He has not forsaken your home or my home. I don't know if any of you have seen any of my 53 Bridges talks that I do kind of on the fly on social media. I have over 80 of them. They're just fun little anecdotal stories that I share. I've been sitting on this story for many years uh, since I started my 53 Bridges talk, wanting to share this story. The day I finally shared this story on social media, my wife and I, within 24-hour period of that time, went through another deep, deep storm. And that's just recently, another another dark night of the soul. Another time when you can't find the cliff, you can't find the edge of, of where the harbor is, or you can't get your bearings. Everything looks upside down. You, you're going through the motions. You're doing your job. You're loving your kids. You're loving your spouse. You're taking care of business. You keep going on, keeping on, and you don't know which end is up. Anybody ever been there? Anybody have weeks like that? Months like that, years like that, decades like that? Folks, have confidence today. Have confidence. He's never, ever going to leave you and I. And he's always going to flick on some light, whether it's through his word, whether it's through something in nature, And I'll tell you something we can guarantee it can come through, and that is if we continue to gather together and exhort one another daily. Why Christ? Because we're part of something that's his story. It's history. It goes back to Abraham. It goes back to Isaac. It goes back to Jacob. It goes back to Israel and the Hebrew story. And then it goes into the time of Christ and the first century believers, and the second century believers, and now we are the 21st century believers. Why Christ? Because faith is the only way, dear ones, and we are called to exhort one another daily so that we will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, that our hearts will stay right, that our lives will stay right, that our spirits will stay right, and that we will not weaken in the midst of the darkest hours. That is our portion as the people of the living God, that against hope, we can still have hope. Against faith, we can still have faith. In the midst of not knowing all the answers to the will or the why of God or the way of God, we still are people of faith with a confidence that we're part of a legacy. I don't have time to read Hebrews chapter 11. You know that powerful hall of fame of faith. And how they held on and how they kept persevering. Some of the similar sentiment to what we heard here in Romans chapter 8. And how they were encouraged by the writer to the Hebrews to continue to press on, to continue to persevere, to, to look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There is a joy for us in continuing to endure, to be mature, to persevere, to encourage one another, to encourage one another when your world is falling apart. The best way to get what you need if you're not receiving it is to give it away. It's a principle of kingdom people. We live upside down. We live last first. We live losing wins. That's how we live. That's who we are. That's the story. That's why you and I sit here today. Because you won't hear that kind of thinking and that kind of philosophy in the world. The world doesn't function that way, nor should they function that way. And if they are functioning that way, they're closer to, they're closer to the divine than perhaps some of us that darken the door of these churches. Maybe they're closer than us that have grown up in it all along. The key is we come back to center, dear ones. I have to be around people of God. I have to get around. I have to exhort my wife. My wife has to exhort me because I have to come back to center. It's not about drifting away. It's about making sure we come back. The best airplanes, the best flight guys, the best pilots, they get off course all the time. They watch their instruments and they come back to center. They come back to center. The North Country so needs to come back to center. It's not about getting another GM or another Alcoa. or Those things would be nice. Those things can come. It's not about, well, should we diversify and get into tourism? Of course we should. Who's arguing that? I don't know. We can all think of a bunch of people maybe in politics that are arguing the obvious. Who cares? We're not run by that. We're led by God, and we're led by a story, and we're led by history. We're a part of something that is meaningful. And as the writer to the Hebrews said, these ones did not receive the promise. They're going to receive something better as we continue to be perfected in the promise that's already been done for us, which is Christ Jesus, dear ones. We have Christ. How much more should we persevere when they the ancestors of old could only look towards Christ. Some of them were sawn asunder. Some of them wandered around naked. They traveled in foreign nations, never being accepted, being displaced all over the place. Yet they held on to faith and they held on to hope and they kept pressing into it because they saw a promise, even though it was afar off. Why, Christ? We've got a confidence today. We're a part of history today. We're a part of something that's real today. It's so real. It's more real than this chair. In fact, we're the only part of culture that lives or we're the only community that lives in believing in a realm that we can't identify with the five senses first and foremost. It's a spiritual realm. That's why Christ today, because you're more susceptible to being refreshed today than you are to being exhausted today. Even in the middle of a storm, Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, and I am persuaded, I'm confident in the middle of all this. 
I have something on tap in the middle of life tapping me out. This is what we are a part of. Abraham endured. Moses endured. Isaac endured. Jacob endured. They looked for cities whose builders and makers were God. They endured as seeing him who is invisible. The writer to the Hebrews says, listen, we should not be laying down. We should not be laying down the foundations that are basic of repentance from dead works, of baptisms, of judgments, of all these different elementary ideas that are significant and are important, or faith towards God. By this time, you should be teaching, but you need somebody else to teach you. Dear ones, I get together with people because I have to teach. I have to be taught. I have to influence. I have to be influenced so I can grow, so I can stay in this faith walk, so I can continue to persevere. My privilege is you letting me talk to you today and exhorting and encouraging. It's real. It's so, so real. It's so tangible. A couple weekends ago, I was down near Detroit at a church, and I saw a worship leader up there, Pastor AJ. I looked at that worship leader, and the Lord said to me, the ceiling for him spiritually is way higher than what's going on even in this place today. And it was a good high spiritual ceiling. I said, Lord, how will I deliver that to him? And the Lord always just tells you, he'll say, just wait a minute. We'll get to that when it's the right moment. And as soon as I go to get up to preach and prophesy over this young gentleman, the Lord reminds me, 20 years, my mind goes back to a worship leader that I prophesied over that I didn't know from Adam, that I exhorted to him personally. And this guy, I picked him out in the worship of a retreat that I was doing. And I said, you're going to be moving to San Diego, California, and you're going to be doing this. And I was just exhorting. I was encouraging. Obviously, there was a prophetic aspect there. That guy that I prophesied over, he was just down the road from where this church was but I forgot about that story so I'm remembering that story and this was 20 years ago wasn't it Jay that gentleman went on to be have a very successful and I think he still is in gospel music uh, ministry he was down near Toronto at the time and boom where do you get San Diego California from but just you know I mean that wind that undercurrent of the spirit the prophetic spirit I shared that with him so I'm sharing that with this lad to encourage him about what happened to another worship leader just down the road and there's a higher ceiling for you and I know that guy flew out of that service a couple weeks ago just hoping and encouraged and I can hardly wait to hear and see what happens in his life and as I'm driving back through southern Ontario, through Toronto, I get a phone call from Nashville, Tennessee. And it's my son-in-law, Kyle. And my daughter and son-in-law, Kyle, just recently moved to Nashville. They're both uh, professional musicians. And uh, they've wanted to take a redirection from education field of music and start in the music realm themselves as entrepreneurs. And you know a little bit about something about that. And you know the challenges and you know the joy of it and the heartaches and the ups and the downs. And Kyle and I are talking. And all of a sudden, I go, 
oh, Kyle, I just prophetically spoke over this worship leader, and I remember 20 years ago, this one other worship leader, and this is what happened. And by the way, Kyle, people are going to hire you, and you're going to get this happening, and you're going to get that happening. And before you know it, folks, I was home a couple hours later, I think the same day, I get this phone call from my daughter. Dad, Kyle just got booked in a band and he's going to Iowa and he's going to Missouri and they're traveling all over and they're going to be doing all this stuff. And I was like, yay for God. Yay for God. And yay for the reality of the hope that we have within us. Build one another up in the most holy faith. To exhort, to admonish, to be confident, to understand we're not alone. We're a part of a chain of history. To know that it's real. You know who I've exhorted the most in the last year? I have three kids. I have a son and daughter-in-law that are my kids too. So I have five. We have our first grandson. And so our quiver's filling up more and more, and we love it. But the one that I've exhorted the most in the last year is my daughter, Essie, who is a classically trained contemporary musician and a conductor down in Nashville, Tennessee, which, by the way, if you're thinking of going to Nashville and you love music, it's not just country and western down there, okay? It's a great town with all kinds of diversity and different genres of music. So she's down there, and we've had a number of events that have happened over the last year miraculously. And Tuesday, she'll be at the Dove Awards with the Brown Bannister, Amy Grant. I think Mercy Me will be there. And the who's who of all this stuff going on. And my little spitfire daughter right in the middle of all that action because she's the assistant to Brown Bannister. And I say all that to say this bully for us. Hurrah for us. We know God, dear ones. We know God and we are a part of something that is so significant that should foster confidence in the depth of your soul that is part of a legacy that, yes, it has ups and downs, but all in all, it still trends. I like what FDR said about the right. It still trends upwards. And if nothing trends upward, if anything trends upwards, it's God and the good news that we have inside of our hearts, dear one. Why Christ? Because it's integral. Because serving Christ and living for Christ is the most integral, integral, integral thing we can do. He said that... Um, he desired mercy and not sacrifice. A lot of us that have been in religion and are believers of the Christian faith, we can get caught up in sacrifice. That's a yoke that, listen, if you, if you do anything today, take that yoke off. That's not God's yoke. That's not God's yoke for you and I. He said, I desire mercy not sacrifice. Go away, you religious leaders. Learn what this means. Learn what this means about mercy. Learn what it means about forgiveness, because if you forgive men and women their sins, then their sins are going to be forgiven. And then religious leaders, again, what are you talking about? Only God can forgive sins. That's right. And then I fill my people with me. They have me inside of them. 
And there is a power to forgive and to release and to forgive God if you have to today, dear ones. There's a lot of believers that need to forgive God. You're caught up with why, why, why. And that leaves us as invalids. It's not a validating question. The question, and it's understandable. <laughs> I've said a lot of whys. They don't get answered very often. But when you move towards what, where should I go, what does this mean? Where are you in the middle of this? How can I move on? And he'll say, well, I want you to forgive everybody that just caused that atrocity. I want you to continue to walk in it. Because if you forgive, they'll be forgiven. What does that mean? I think I got a little glimpse of it back a while ago. I was driving through a town here in northern New York, coming back from Syracuse, and I thought about a friend of mine. And as I went through the town, I said, God, I just release them and I bless them and I pray you'll uplift them and you'll encourage them. And that was important for me to do, and I've probably done it quite a few times over the last year because over a year ago, they were the one person that I called to come to my lovely daughter, daughter uh, Esther's wedding, and they said they'd be there. And they needed to be there for them, not just for us. We wanted them there. And that individual didn't show up, and I never heard from them since. And I tried to get a hold of them. And so you know there's a wall. You know there's something there. There's something that can go in your craw, that you can get down inside of you, you know, like that sand in the oyster. or what. You know what I'm talking about. The same day I drove through town, and I prayed that prayer, Within hours, they showed up at my home for the first time in over a year. I like to think this is kind of what happened. I drove through town. I turned on a light. A light was turned on in their heart. They knew that it was favorable to come to my house, that there'd be no judgment, there'd be no ire, no angst, no animosity, there'd be nothing, and that the world could move forward and everything could be in place. Why Christ? Because Christ is integral. This world is upheld through compassion and mercy and forgiveness and breaking down walls of enmity and walls of division and attitudes of I'm right, they're wrong. Listen, folks, we can be so right, we're dead right. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. Love the lyrics of a song I heard at this church down near Detroit two weeks ago, and I'd never seen it before, and it says, the gavel fell, and I heard the sound from Christ who said, you're forgiven, you're free, mercy. Let the gavel fall in your home and in your heart and in your life today and in this community today and in our country today. Let the gavel fall. You'll hear mercy your forgiveness you'll be acquainted with a spirit of understanding you'll have that wisdom to know how to move how to be how to comport yourself by Christ he supersedes everything I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live thought about Lazarus this morning just driving here if only you'd been here Lord four days late in the grave is that's way too late yeah for divine healing it is but not if you have an idea that you want to resurrect somebody 
Has the Lord been four days too late for you? Or four weeks too late for you? Or four years too late for you? Or four decades too late for you? He's never too late for what he's got in mind. I don't have time to read uh, the story from a precious, precious loved one of mine. Is my phone over there, Jay? Is it, is it up here under my Bible? Maybe I will read this. It's a precious loved one of mine. I had to take a picture of it. She didn't have a photocopier, and I was down there. Um, uh, she lives in um, Strathroy, Ontario, near London, Ontario. As I was headed down um, to the southern part of the, that province back a couple weeks ago, and I didn't even know this story, but um, just talking about how God supersedes everything. Let me read this to you from my most precious, precious, precious aunt. I know Jesus is real because he saved me from a time of my deepest depression. I was around 59 years old. She's now, I think Aunt Linda's about 73 now. I went to a ladies' retreat near Toronto. It was a time when I just wanted to die and be with him in heaven, but it wasn't my time. This night, around midnight, we were asked if we wanted to take candles outside on a hill and pray at the foot of a cross. And I certainly wanted to. It was, I think, an empty cross. But as I knelt, it was definitely not empty. Jesus showed himself to me. As I looked up, he looked straight into my eyes. Eyes that I don't understand were as blue as could be. Now, for me, that's grace. I always, I always relate the color of blue to grace. As blue as could be, and he said to me directly this, it is going to be all right. And as I got up, it was like the most peaceful feeling. I was like changed in an instant. The depression was gone and is still gone. She wrote this just last year. Is still gone to this day. He had already told me in the Bible that it would be okay. It seemed that he knew I needed to hear it from his lips and have him look directly at me. To me, this was a miracle of healing. And then she wrote a couple other different things. And I was able to spend a wonderful dinner with my aunt and stay overnight before I had to get on to my preaching engagement. And I just absolutely love her. And I can't imagine the world without her. But she wanted to leave this world because the life that she was experiencing was not joyful enough. She knew from the Bible that it was going to be okay. But you know, God comes up to us, like I say, in these experiences, whatever it is that's your language, he'll come up to you and he'll speak to you. And everything else that is being experienced in your life is subordinated beneath that connection and that love. And dear ones, we need that. Yes, we stand upon the word of God objectively. But how many know that God is breaking through the clouds every single day? And again, 
Where does the power of God lie? It lies in you and I as his extended mouthpieces and hands and feet and body. That's why, as I was teaching this week to some pre-K kids, which is a whole other story, uh, Gordon knows a little bit about what's been transpiring in the last little while. Everything you need to know, you learn, in, not in kindergarten, you learn in pre-K. Don't hit. Make sure you share. Don't be mean. Make way. Hold hands. Don't fight. Don't push them against the We're part of history. It's real. It's integral. Supersedes everything. And then finally, you can trust in the truth of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. I'm in college. I conclude with this. Back in the early 80s, early mid-80s. And I lived with my, I had three roommates during my college years in the dorms. And my first roommate it's interesting, I had a dream about him last night. I didn't tell you. This guy flies at 36,000 feet spiritually while he's asleep. He still does to this day. He's a man of God. Gets up, I think it was in the middle of the night. We got to start praying for Gary and I forget Gary's wife, Mrs. Skinner's name, in Uganda, Africa. We got to start praying. He phones up. Huntley Street. Do any of you folks along the border here know what 100 Huntley Street? Do you remember the 100 Huntley Street with Gary, uh, with um, David Maines and Ralph Rutledge, and which we know those folks and worked with them a little bit over the years. So he phones up this national wide. You gotta start to pray. You gotta get a hold of God, Dave. Get out of bed. I'm like, what are you talking about, Pete? So the dust clears. In less than 24 hours, I forget how it all unfolded. At the very moment that Peter woke up, Gary, his dear wife, and their family were looking down the barrel of machine guns at bullets that were going to murder their lives. Something miraculously took place and transpired, and they have one of the greatest charismatic churches in the world all these years later, 30, over 30 some odd years later, as far as I know, they're still going, they're still kicking. It doesn't matter whether it's vertigo in a baseball game or bullets and violence or storms that would destroy our very existence seemingly. God. our hope. He is our faith. He is our everything. Jesus, touch these folks. Touch this house. Touch these dear ones. Lord, I pray that they will fall right into a place of rest that they will fall right into a place of refreshing. I pray that they will fall into the abundance of your goodness and grace. 
Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to, Pastor AJ will lead us in a song, I'm sure, is is your custom. I'm going to sit down for just a second. I'm going to see if the Holy Spirit has anything uh, for you folks in terms of personal ministry. And then maybe I'll just pop up uh, in another few seconds, a few minutes, and uh, we'll see what the Lord says, okay? Is that okay, Pastor AJ? Yeah, I figured that'd be okay with you. to what uh, Dave has shared with us today. That we're going to choose to continue to walk. And walk by faith as best we can. Even when we're broken and can't see, we know he's with us. Will I believe you when you say your hand will guide my every way? Will I receive the words you say? Every moment of every day Will I, will walk by faith Even when I cannot see Well, because this broken Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
again. Hallelujah. Yes, I will walk by faith. such a good job of today is um, reminding us that that it's the stillness it's in smallness uh, it's in sometimes not seeing that God is so ever present for us it's in a whisper so I want us to just very quietly not bombastically as sometimes we feel when we're on the mountain but I want us to just very quietly sing hallelujah there's a juxtaposition there because it's usually shouted and Walls fall and canyons quake. But in dark nights of depression, um, in relationships that can't seem to turn around, sometimes all we have is a whisper is response. But the worship remains. So let's just sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even when I don't have a shout. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's all I have. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you are, Lord. We want to thank you that, yes, the anchor holds, Father God. The legacy that comes before us is one that cannot be broken, that your story cannot be rewritten, that your will cannot be thwarted in our lives, Father. We thank you for that reminder, Lord God. We thank you that even the greatest and grandest things that Paul could come up with, that he knew about in the spiritual realms or the physical realms, do not ever separate us from your unending love and amazing grace. We thank you for that, Father God. We thank you for your reckless love that chases after us and kicks down walls and, and refuses to let us live with labels upon us, Father God, and, and, and I would dare say even hates when we live hopelessly because you are our hope, Lord Jesus, and you are such a good, good Father in all that you are and all that you've done. So, Father, be our confidence. Help us, Father God, to, to realize the anchor holds because of who you are, because of what you're made of and who you've decided to be in our lives. We do love you, Father, and um, we're trusting you, Father God. We're trusting you with all that we have right now. And where there needs to be faith, we'll echo the sentiment of the one that you've included in the Bible. Give us faith, Lord God. Increase our faith, Father God. Yes, Lord, help our unbelief, Father God. Not in a condemning way, Lord God. Not in a condemning way, but in the, in the, in the training wheels sort of way where you root for us right even after we crash, Father, and you don't yell at us in that way. Just help our unbelief, Father. And help us to extend that grace to others around us. We love you, Father God. We are the light of the world. Whether we realize it or like it or not, but we are, Father God. And help us to be so. Almost a year ago, I was in the city of Winnipeg. 
and I have dear friends out there, and one particular couple, um, Ed and Helen. Uh, these are very mature people of God. They've been around, uh, they've, they've seen a lot in their years, and um, they're so young of spirit. They're, they're mature in years, but they're so young of spirit and so childlike in faith and uh, very, very brilliant, beautiful people. Why they hang around with me, I don't know. But um, the year before, so coming up to November, two years ago this November, and I was there last November, they lost their precious daughter who died, was smitten with cancer, beautiful woman, brilliant, uh, educated, entrepreneurial, business savvy, tremendous, tremendous woman in her early 30s, and she just suddenly died within two months. So almost to the very day I was visiting them a week, within three or four days, I believe it was, and um, I was going over to break bread. I had a few minutes, like a few hours to be with them, and then I had to leave, and so I thought, Lord, what can I say? What can, what can I offer? just knew just go and be with them take some chocolates or something and just go enjoy dinner with them I walked into the home now the peace and the joy and the sense of love and strength was so palpable it, it just about floored me but it didn't surprise me because I know the kind of people that they are this lady's father was in espionage for the Allies during the Second World War, and her dad used to say, honey, to Helen, it's a great life if you don't weaken. She's told me that saying. I've preached on that saying. I've ministered that saying. I've put it out on social media, that saying. I've tried to embody it. But that day, almost a year ago, this coming month, November, I knew that sermon was true. I knew that that was a reality because when I walked into Ed and Helen's house, I knew that even though life gives everything and more to knock you and I out, there is a place in God that is so strong and so mighty and it comes in our complete weakness and surrender and vulnerability and ignorance and not knowing and vertigo or whatever. That's where he here's the thing. I'm going to pray for you and impart that spirit of rest and joy and peace. I'm going to lay hands on you. If you need that anointing, I believe it's here to be dispensed and apportioned to you. And you need to carve it out in your own journey too. You need to do your due diligence spiritually to continue to hone that and car carve that out. But here's the thing. After Lazarus was resurrected, do you know that the Jews wanted to kill the, 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 the religious leaders? They, what, what they want to do with Lazarus? They wanted to kill him. And everybody in town knew <laughs> they're out in Bethany. If we want to get on the, the hit list and the most wanted list, let's go out and break bread. Well, I, I wouldn't be heading out that way. You know what it says? Many started to follow Lazarus, started to follow Christ despite the persecution, the threat of persecution, the threat of martyrdom, the threat of imprisonment, the, the, the fear tax, tactics. Here's the thing. When you get set free from something, now you own that sword 
and you have the keys to that, and now you can go set free. Lazarus overcame death, and now he was leading people that were not afraid of death. That's pretty powerful, dear ones. Once you get your freedom that you have, you've got to take it all the way, and you've got to be vindictive, vindictive against the enemy. You've got to become vindictive or else you're not completing the cycle of the history that we're called to. And that is with the freedom that we've received. Freely we receive, freely we give. So today, if you want prayer and you want to know the calm and the peace, no matter what's going on in life, you come and receive it. But remember, others will need the gift that you have to be a part of the vine. So steward it well, okay? If you want prayer, Pastor AJ can conclude. If you'd like prayer, come to the front. I'll lay hands on you. My wife will come in behind and we'll pray for you and we'll bless you, okay? God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Well, I will walk by faith even when I cannot see. Yes, because this broken We're just going to play some music while uh, Dave and Jay minister. Feel free to filter out if you'd like or stay and pray along with the folks who are receiving prayer. Because uh, we're all family, right?